welcome to the Trust Your Coach Gut podcast. This is episode number six, and uh, they're starting to stack up. So I, I'm really enjoying talking to different folks, and th- these are just really fun to do uh, and get to have these conversations with some people and have a great one today. But before we get to that, I want to ask you to subscribe or follow. So that way I'll know who's with me, who's following, who's uh, who's getting these updates. Um, but wherever you listen to your podcast, click subscribe or follow to make sure that you get uh, notifications when a new one's coming out. Um, okay, now let's talk about today's conversation. I was so excited to talk to Professor Andreas Vidmer, who is a professor of entrepreneurship here at the Bush School of Business at the Catholic University of America. And he is probably the most interesting person I know. The guy was, uh, well, one, he, he speaks four languages. He's got a bunch of degrees, very successful entrepreneur, um, just a great backstory. But even farther back than then, the business success, he was a Swiss guard in the Vatican for Pope John Paul II. And that's a great story about how, how that uh, part of his life unfolded. Um, and he wrote a book about it called The Pope and the CEO. And it is an excellent book on leadership. And uh, I'm just thrilled to, to have him on today. And um, I'll stop rambling and we'll get to the good stuff. So here, have a listen to my conversation with Professor Andreas Widmer. now we're recording. Great. Uh, Professor Vidmer, thank you so much for taking the time to, uh, to meet with me. I'm really looking forward to, to getting to talk uh, with you. Um, I think uh, someone with your incredible background and with your, what you're doing now um, is, is so awesome that you're helping the next generation really. And, and so many people come out and, and be principled in how they approach um, business and the rest of their lives and, and making money in the right way. Um, but how, how did you decide to, to, to come into teaching? I mean, it wasn't necessarily your background. No, not at all. Um, I was, I like to tell my students that I'm, I was actually a horrible student, <laughs> it, it, at least, you know, in, in, at that, at the time, like before my, before age 22, I totally failed at school, which is, you know, the students were talking to and, and then I turned around and I finally figured out how, how I learn and all that. And then I went to school and I did much better. And that's where I got my degrees and all that. But um, no, I, I, am, I never thought of being a teacher and that was never uh, a goal in my life. And before I came to CUA, I, I, I never was in a classroom. Um, I'm, I'm a, an entrepreneur by trade. I started companies all my life or I helped start companies and uh, just started to, I think out of my experience of, I have like several learning, the things I, le- I, I found out is I have several learning disabilities. So I have ADHD and I have dyslexia, pretty strong. Um, and so I, it wasn't until I was about 20, 20, uh, 22 years old that I started to figure that out and learn to cope with it. And, and then I'm suddenly like, hey, if I just do this a little differently, this is working perfectly well. And 
my and, and then once my career was sort of winding down, I had to decide: do I jump in and start something new, or or do I get, take a break now? Um, I met Andrew Abella, and he told me about this new business school he wanted to create, and I was like, that is. I am so going to be a part of that. So yeah. So I came down from Boston. I came down to DC, and um, I now teach. Always, I have to say, always a little bit with me in mind when I was twenty. Right. Yeah. That. Um, I, I do the same thing in coaching. I think I became a better coach when I stopped worrying so much about trying to make them into the player that I thought they should be. And made them in, and try to let them be the player they're supposed to be because that's what I wanted when I was their age. I just wanted the coach to take what I had and go. Um, so I'm sure that's why you're. You know, I know the the guys in the team that take your classes really connect with you, and they they talk about you out, out of class and in a good way. Um, you know, um, but that's nice. The the lessons that they get from your classes, I think, really stick with them. Yeah, uh, yeah. I'm so, glad that works. So uh, I'm not sure everyone knows, uh, maybe most do, but you were uh, in the Swiss Guard for a long time. How many years were, were you? Well, well, I did the duty for, I, I was an active member for two years. Okay. And I did the military service in Switzerland before that for another year. And then, you know, I basically go back now every year. I, I didn't during the height of my career, but now that I have a little more time I, I go back and I serve a week or so a year and I represent them here in the U.S. with the foundation and so on that's that is so awesome I think um I just the idea of that service at the Vatican is um it, it seems sort of romantic to me to think about that I, I'm sure it's not once you're in the day-to-day -day of it it's probably not as romantic uh, as I think but yeah. what's a what's a day in the life of a, of a Swiss guard when they're in the Vatican like it's of course very rigid and regulated because it's a military and so you're pretty much told what to do um in that core there it, it has changed a little bit in in the rhythm that since i was there today what you have is um you, you sort of have different uh, different uh, times for work so that you at times have night shift and day shift and then get a period of time off where you can sort of recover. Uh, and I mean, they, they measure this in days now. We would always have one day or the other, but we they, now they have like four or five days of the same routine so you can get a bit used to it. Um, but being on duty is, is either very frantic or very boring um, because you're basically in security. And being off duty is interesting because on the one hand you, uh, of course, have to work out and train a lot, but then you also um, get to, you know, enjoy Rome and be out there. And uh, a lot of the workout actually happens inside the Vatican. So you get this privilege to run the Vatican gardens and things like this was nobody else is allowed in or, or, or not without a tour. And so that's sort of, a, that makes you feel special to be able to be in this little enclave that is in the middle of this chaotic city, you have access to some very quiet places. It's really beautiful. Um, and then we are, you know, there's 130 men living in close quarters. You usually have one or two roommates. Um, meals are all taken together in shifts, in three shifts. And just like I, you know, just 
just like on a sports team, um, you become, you get very close to the other guys. And of course there's frictions and everything, but as a result, um, the, the guys I served with, they're like brothers to me. I mean, it's lifelong friendships. Yeah, there's, you're right. Like when guys go through a couple of football training camps together, that shared experience um, really is like, um, it's like a, a forge. It just yeah. smelts, I mean, puts the metals together and, and you, and, and who knows, they may have divergent paths, but I'm sure it's the same with you when you see some comrades. If you're back with them for 10 seconds, you're right into that comfortable spot with them because of that shared experience. It, it actually impacts, uh, my, my teaching is impacted by this, that I find that, well, I find that we learn much more through experience than through studying in that sense of memorizing. When you memorize something, it'll, it'll be there and you sort of, you know, regurgitate it for the test and then it goes away. Uh, students are often surprised in how I teach. I, 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 I'm, I'm much more a coach than a professor because I teach through experience. And it's now, <laughs> I sometimes choke and say, look, like, I'm not your football coach. I'm not allowed to do, to make you do what I think you should do, to make right. you go through an experience where I'm saying, okay, you won't forget this, which they won't when they have you as a coach, because you have to, you know, you, you train the student in that sense, and you have to go through hardship in order to change yourself fundamentally. And, you know, the body and the, and the mind are connected. Right. So the body, sometimes, you, more often than not, your mind follows the body. And so that, that, that is very important. But you can also, so where I'm going with this is that I also try to focus to create a, uh, an emotional experience in the classroom. So I will, I'm a storyteller. I will talk to people and to students about things that happened to me or somebody else. But my whole vision is to bring you my, your mind to a place where you can experience something and that changes you. It's people usually don't teach like this. So, because what happens as a result of that, you learn without noticing it. It's, uh, and, and they're like, going, uh, what did we just do? But that's a part of what I'm trying to do with the students is to actually uh, reach their core and then something changes and then they go on off on their on their path and in a sense that's how you teach them to learn rather than to teach them to memorize something right uh, now that's as i think about that that's you know when you when you get a narrative that touches you you're mm -hmm. going to reflect on it way more and go back to it and 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 continue to process it yeah. whereas if somebody just gives you some facts and says here's here's the flow chart for this you might be able to give it back to them, but how do you use it in your life and apply it to solve problems unless you've put it in a deeper place? It's, and, and you put, yeah, in the, and in the context, it's like, you know, I didn't play football, of course, where I come from, there's, there wasn't a, I didn't know what football was. I'm sorry to say when I grew up, but, but I play basketball. And the thing is that if the coach just makes you do drills and you have no idea why this, how this fits into you know, our strategy and what we're going to do on game day, then, then you're being forced. Right. Whenever you're forced, you know, it's like the famous, if you push the horse, the horse pushes against you. The, the, you know, you don't learn like that. But if we understand why we're doing this and to put it into the context, um, 
then you actually get this participation. And usually the, that comes from an emotional point where you make somebody want. One of the things uh, you talked about how it was uh, in the Vatican, of course, get, meeting the Pope was one of the most incredible things, of course. And one of the things that he would always say is, I can not want for you. And boy, this became one of my favorite concepts that, and it's the most important thing. You cannot want for your team. They have to want themselves. And so I'm ne never gonna force anybody, but I'm trying to inspire your will. Because if I inspire your will, if you inspire the will of your team, your job is good, right? Right, well, right, oh, yeah, yeah. Um, and, and so that's what I'm trying to affect. And I think what we all try to affect at CUA as a Catholic university is to actually reach that inner why. Mm. And once you all know why you have the will, you're good to go. Yeah, and that was something, you know, even back when I went here in the, um, in the early 90s, when Catholic wasn't as uh, proud of the Catholic tradition, I don't think, I, I really don't think they were as, the, as we are now, but I love the way we approach everything, you know, like the Bush School has, um, you know, involves so much Catholic social teaching and arts and sciences is looking at like what, it, you know, what does it mean to be a human and like these bigger questions are, that's why, I, you know, I get so excited when I talk to people about coming to Catholic because you're mm -hmm. going to come here and you're going to get more than just information. Like, we're going to, we're going to teach you how to go back and and use it in, a, in your life and, and develop and- um, And then support so. your humanity. So I, I don't wanna teach people how to make a living. You know, I'm, I, so I, I was very blessed that I made a good living, but that's not, I don't wanna teach you how to make a living. I wanna teach you how to have a life. Like, mm -hmm. and, and you know, that includes what happens to you after you die. This is just a question you cannot ignore, <laughs> right? And, and that includes, um, how you discern where you want to live, who you want to marry, what work you want to do. You're not going to be a silo that says, well, now I do work. And then, oh, now I'm home. And, and now I'm in church. That's, that's, that's nonsense. Nobody can live like that. Um, and yet, we're, yet a lot of uh, schools teach like that. And we don't. And, and that's, I'm not sure I could teach anywhere else because right. this, is how to, this is the way to teach. Yeah, I, and I, you know, I've coached at uh, several other universities and colleges, and um, and and they're all wonderful places and have their their pluses and minuses. But when I came back home here, sort of to be the head coach was it, it was so great because not only am I coaching football, which is which was great because it's not really working for a living, um, but it's it's more about I want to build um, I want to build husbands and fathers exactly. And, and, and the best football players in the world are people who understand responsibility. And what's a bigger responsibility than being a good husband and a father? I couldn't agree more. Yeah. That's, that's why also why um, CUA is like a school that I think on the national level is way underappreciated or, or it's, it, it, we, we in a sense still are not, our reputation doesn't do justice in what's actually going on over here. Yes. Um, but, but I presume and I hope that's going to catch up with, uh, you know, with reality. 
I think it will. It's like, it's, we're like the best kept secret. Um, you know, and I almost, I, there's a part of me, there's a Catholic part of me. And it's like, it's so, it's so Catholic. Like we're kind of aw shucks. We're just little old Catholic you over here. It's like, no, no, we, we are, we are an elite, fantastic place that will take you past your wildest dreams of what you think you should be. See, and, and, um, of course, I, I try to say this to, you know, when students come in or when I talk to groups of parents, I have, a, you know, in the business school, I have a good percentage of students who are not Catholic at all. I have, we have students from Saudi Arabia. We have uh, students from, from different areas, Latin America and Europe and so on. But we also have many, many uh, American students who either have no faith at all or, or, or have a different Christian or Jewish faith or so on. And my experience experience even with them is that what I love about CUA is that we're not, nobody's forced to do anything, but you and I, we can witness honestly and say, look, it's often, I like to say, this is a good time in your life to, to think about these things. Now I'm telling you where I'm coming from and what works for me in my life. And, and that just serves as a, as an inspiration for you, but you have to go where, you know, where you, where you go, but I want you to have the thought. And I cannot tell you how, first of all, how many of the students I stay in touch with, where we continue this dialogue, they go all the way back to Saudi Arabia and we continue having this dialogue with each other, which I just love. Yep. And uh, many students also are not, not in the Catholic faith or totally in no faith. We continue the dialogue because what they're seeing is the sincerity of saying, I'm just interested in your path. Like I'm not, you don't have to be a carbon copy of what I'm doing. I'm just interested in you finding yourself. And I think that's a, uh, and, and I've heard from the students so often that they've, they experience that across the board with the, with the coaches and teachers um, at CUA. So I, that makes me immensely proud. Me too. I, you know, I like in the locker room, I don't go in and say, okay, if you're Catholic, raise your hand. It, like that's, that's yeah. not, that's, I won't say it's not important, but it's not, that's not something I care about. What I care about is, are you here to become the best you can be? And if you really want to do that, you have to look at deeper things. Yeah. See, and the thing is, the interesting thing is, that is the very Catholic thing to do. We say right. the dignity of the human person. Right. That, you, that, that we look at every person as, as, as an end in themselves, like not as a means to an end, but an end in themselves. That is how... You know, see, and, and the beauty is to experience that when you play football and when you go to business school and when you go to church and when you study philosophy, that you experience this as a student. That's really our witness to the student is that they have they will experience this. And hopefully, and that is very important, that when they go into the business world, that they do the same thing that they never use a person to an end, but that they are an end in themselves. Right. Of course, that's just, you know, and they, it's just, it's very, it's very trendy to say, oh, business people do this all the time. Look, what, what do you think? Football teams are not tempted to use people to an end? You think nonprofits aren't tempted to use people uh, as a means? Nonetheless, I don't want to dodge the bullet of saying, yes, business, many business people uh, do, some business people do abuse this and, uh, and use people um, and so on. And let us teach, uh, teach you how to do this more honestly, properly, the way it is actually meant to be. And often the, the, 
you know, the challenge you get is, well, then it's a choice between being nice to people and being profitable. Hmm. But that's a binary thing of saying that's not true. That that's a, a false dichotomy. That's like being uh, being nice to this to your team and losing. This is right. a, you know, that doesn't go in the same bag. No. And and the same here that um, in business, I believe the business as a uh, business has to be profitable um, because, and it's actually coming even from a, from, from a, from my Catholic view is that when we do business, anytime we work, we create, huh? and, and that's actually difference between us and an animal is that we can, we can work and they can't. When I work, I can create something, make something out of nothing. You know, we, we can, even a student, when they write a paper or something, they bring this from their mind onto paper and, and then they can leave it with you and you can grade it. So it's, a, it's its own little creation. The reason why we can do that and the animals can't is because we're made in the image and likeness of the creator. That's why we can create. Right. That's the part of how we're similar to God and how we're made in God's image. And so whenever we work, then we imitate God and we get this privilege to be, to continue, in a sense, to continue creating the Garden of Eden. And we call that work. Right? Right. And of course, in that, we have a choice uh, to create something good or bad. Or, 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 but that's, again, that's also God, our godliness in the sense that we have a free will. We can actually choose to do something evil if we want to. And then, um, but if we want to imitate God, think, if you want to imitate God, like God created nature, that we now create and imitate him, God never created anything that wasn't profitable. Why would you right. create something that isn't profitable? You know what I mean? Like everything is, is abundance. Uh, the whole nature, the whole universe is abundant. And so when we create, when we work, we should be abundant as well. And so I, I just think that that is that needs to be understood as a principle, as a fundamental requirement of business. But that doesn't exclude then to be taking advantage of people or not paying them right. But the challenge to business is to come up with ideas, with profitable ideas to satisfy a customer need, and to and to do that through the excellence of your employees. The catch with it is sometimes. A business isn't profitable because it's trying to tell you you shouldn't do this business. Right. So if you can't do it profitably, maybe you should. Businesses are not like human beings. Human beings have a right to life. Businesses don't. <laughs> if you can't make the business profitable, you should get out of it. And and we're too hesitant to do it. So we try to so that people try to cut a corner in some way, and then either be completely mediocre, or um, or, or cut corners, cheat in some way. And, the, and that's, of course, not acceptable. Yeah, I, that's, um, so going, going back to that, you know, how to choose what, doing what's right. Uh, that was one of the chapters in your book, the, mm -hmm. and the CEO was, I think it was like chapter four, was know how to choose what's right. Um, and that's, that's part of what I'm doing with this podcast is trying to figure out how do you do the right thing? And, um, you know, as I'm going through it, it keeps coming back to, to me, like the cardinal virtues and how do you use those to try and apply it to, um, to making the right choices. So how did, you know, how did the Pope, how did Pope John Paul II, St. John Paul II, how did he help you understand that, like how to choose what's right? 
So the first thing we have to understand about is what is this game all about? It's very much like sports. That if I walk onto a field of football, which I, I still today don't really, I, I wouldn't be of much value to you. <laughs> so well, I don't, I don't know. Have... With you're you're a you're a, a, a tall man. Uh, I think I could make you left tackle or a tight end. I think uh, I have to come. You you have to. I have to come. We have to watch a football game together. And you 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 be the rounding com comment to tell me what's actually going on with all the rules and and, and everything. Because if you don't understand what this game is all about then you will never figure out what the right thing is to do. So we have to understand, what are we doing here? Who am I and what am I doing here? Unless you understand that, the, the meaning of your life, there's no point in good or bad or whatever. It's, it's, it's all becomes relative. But once I have a position of saying, this is why I'm here, and um, you know the old Baltimore Catechism starts off with this because it's the most important question that uh, that everything else springs from. Um, you know why was I created and what's and for what, right? And so once we understand that, and there John Paul talked about Genesis. What I just did uh, before, a minute ago when we mm -hmm. talked about I said about how God created the world and we're co-creators. That that is his. Uh, that is his cornerstone of what he teaches it, and he calls that the theology of the body where he yes. comes out of and he says we imitate god god may not look like us but god we do like what god does and that's that, that is really central to us even with our body through marriage we can create like other human beings and out of that understanding we start to understand what it is that we need to do and then we can figure out what what is right and what is wrong now the most important thing to do is to is to become, in, in a secular way, you would say, to become the best version of yourself. Um, I like to make this analogy that 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 John Paul inspired about. He would talk about that all your your particular situation, you are willed. God wants you. God loved you into existence, and. Um, all the things people say, why does God give me this or that? Well, we do this with negative things, but we don't do it with positive things. God gave you all of these gifts. It's like, uh, you know, uh, it's like when you go home and you give your kids uh, a box of crayons and say, draw something and you get these crayons. And, and they say, well, what do you want me to draw? You know, and and which crayons do you want me to to uh, to, to draw with? Like you, you were drawn to do the, the bright yellow and red and all of that, and we're not gonna, which which are in a sense the in the analogy um, is like the, the 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 gift that God gives us is like a box of crayons where we get very nice stuff to draw with and then the not so nice ones. But what God wants us to do is to actually take all of these gifts and use them for the proper purpose, which the proper purpose is, of course, to glorify God and, and to do, uh, do all, all that we're doing for him. Um, and so when we're, when we're trying to figure out what to do and what is right and what is wrong, the most fundamental answer to this is if you do what you're doing for the glory of God, you can't go wrong. And what, and, and what, what that means on the, you know, on the ground is if you do what you're doing to your excellence, that you become the, the best version of yourself, you can't go wrong. Um, there's, there's so many stories about students, even myself, I tried this as well. You probably have this on your team where you have a, a kid who's 
practicing and, and saying, I want to be like so and so, and or to compete with the kid next to them, which is totally wrong because right. you need to compete with what you can be because maybe this is not good enough. But maybe this other person has a talent that's not the same as yours, and you need to grow into your own space. In that sense, we each, you know, uh, um, we each have to become in 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 Catholic language, you call that saint. It is, being a saint means that you have gone to have, which means you have achieved fullness. So your goal in life is to become Saint Michael. And my goal in life is to become Saint Andreas, right? Right. And, and that only happens if we don't ape after other people, but that we find our gifts, our talents, our challenges, our situation, and make this beautiful thing out of it. So it's like I, I, the drawing, you know, the painting out of it that, that we can then offer to God. And therefore, we, there is theory of right and wrong and what to do. But when it comes into your life, it's very difficult to tell you exactly, you know, people look like for the Ten Commandments of saying, what do I do in this situation or that situation? I cannot tell you that. What I can tell you is that the goal of your life needs to be your personal perfection in, in that saintly way. Right. Yeah. And the, you know, the common language makes, has co-opted the word saint, in, in my opinion, to make it think that it's a goody two-shoes, you know, whereas I think of saints, or and, and maybe this is just my own personal opinion, but I think of them as like they're fierce. These are people who are fierce and they're dedicated and they're not to be messed with and they're they're single-minded and and driven and um, that you know it's not someone who just says oh everything's happy and good and I don't do anything wrong like that's not it at all. It's about I'm so you know, frustrated when people paint John Paul II as this guy who never even made a sound when he walked, like they're whitewashing a saint. And well, there's two things. A, it's unfair to him, and B, it makes every it makes it makes saints look like it's something unachievable for us, but it isn't. And that was actually a point he kept making. The reason why he and he announced and he he proclaimed so many saints is because he said, "Hey, there's a lot, and there's a, you know, that's our life goal. That's like saying, you know, you can't learn to read or to write. It's like, of course, this is absolutely within within the purview and with the capability that you have is to become a saint. Absolutely. Like also with the grace that is available that we, we cooperate with. When, when people make these stories about John Paul never being angry, or, you know, that's not, first of all, I know it's not true because I've seen him angry. <laughs> <laughs> it couldn't have been at you, right, though? It was never yeah. you. <laughs> no, fortunately, it wasn't me. But also that he didn't have any moods or anything. Of course, the guy had moods. It's sainthood is a, is a is is one of these things that you can only be that when you're dead. Like I don't think he was a saint, you know, all the way through when he lived. I think that he was a work in progress. And now that he's dead, we declare a saint by saying, "Okay, we think this this person made it into heaven." Um, but that doesn't mean that the guy lived a flawless life without any, you know, that's. That's a total misunderstanding of what it means uh, to be a saint. And it takes, it's almost like in, a, in the sports analogy to think that somebody, you know, the, the, the MVP of the year never made a mistake all year long. That's not true. You become the MVP through, 
you know, through the progress of your year, yeah. not yep. at, the, at the constant, you know? Yeah, and that's, it's so true. Like if you, the only guys I can't coach are the ones who won't do anything. Like they, they're, they're frozen or they won't make a decision. Like you can go and, and make the wrong decision and fly and go tackle somebody. I'll be like, okay, well, that really wasn't the right thing because of this, you know, or the quarterback who doesn't throw the ball. I'm like, I don't know what he's looking at until I see him throw a bad pass. But once he throws it, it's either, you know, a completion or incompletion, but then I can coach it. And if for us to, uh, I think a lot of the culture today just wants us to freeze and not do anything, you know, or, or I guess that's communicated to some of the young guys I work with that as long as you don't do anything, you can't go wrong. But if you don't do anything, you're doing, you're not doing anything. And that's not what we're here for. Yeah. Yeah. It's very, you know, it's very similar. I, I think in entrepreneurship, we have this real danger right now that we, you know, COVID has changed it a bit, but it's, that's a blip because it's, it, it's not representative. But for the first time, since we measured the, the numbers, we have more companies going out of business than starting businesses. And we have large companies becoming larger and larger and larger. Everybody wants to go work there. And the little mom and pop shops and the little SMEs and the startups are not happening. Even with all with everybody talking about technology startups, there's actually fewer, fewer startups today than there were in the 70s. And, and a part of this is because of this fear of failure. It's also somewhat fault of the schools because we make this always binary, fail or, or uh, you know, win or fail, fail. You know, you get a star or, or you, <laughs> you, you, you lose the thing. Right. Whereas activity, the, the, like what, that's, that inspired me when you just said, look, if you're not throwing the ball, I can't see where you're looking. So I can't tell you anything. I can't teach mm-hmm. you. Well, if you're not failing, you're, you're doing something wrong. You're not taking enough risk. In uh, one of the things I, I do in our class is that, in the fr- you know, when when you come to business school, first thing we do together, start a business. It's like something like this, what you're doing now, like right. a, a, a podcast and so anything like this can be monetized. But I, I find it so sad that we're teaching business, a by people who've never run a business. <laughs> right. It's like if you wouldn't know. If you've never thrown a ball, how the heck are you going to teach anybody how to play football? And 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 people who are actually not doing, uh, who are not doing, it's like we're teaching business, like as if you would teach swimming on dry land. And so I said, look, when we start this, when we start this, I told Andrew about Dean, when we start this school, the first thing we're going to do is start a business with the students because that's to me that's like the most logical thing and he loved it and right now we do this in the 118 class and it's so important because then from then on a student knows how oh, this you know this is you know why does this and this work and then for the next four years we're going to teach you all the questions you had when you had your first business in right. The right then you understand why would i have to learn this that's again the context that we give you to let's just play a game Let's go out and play football. And then afterwards, I'm going to come and teach you the specific routines that we're going to do, because then you understand why, why this is important. Right. And, um, and hopefully, 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 at the end of the semester, I always have a, a lecture on failure to say, hey, you know, of course, most of the students fail at the business. And I, and I say, okay, how many people? failed and because the majority of hands go up and say okay what what 
did you get breakfast this this morning? Did the sun go up? Did you sleep well? <laughs> right. It's like, okay, look, you joined my club. Like my first business failed. Yeah. Now your first business failed. And you know what? The sun is just as shining and you're just doing as well. This now let's turn around and say, what do you do with failure? You learn from it. The greatest people failed into success. They're not born a success. And that's true. I mean, sports is the perfect analogy. Yes. Uh, for business in that sense. Yeah. And it's, it's, you know, and even when you win games, uh, it's, it's incumbent upon the coach to make sure when you go back and you look at the video and you learn from it, that you have to treat it the same way that you treated the loss. Like you can't go back and watch the win with good feelings and say like it's a home movie and be like, oh, look at this, that was fun, that was great. And then when you lose, you go back and you look at it. You have to look at them the same. So it's not really so much the winning and the losing as it is, where do I move forward? What can I take a step at doing? So interesting to see what you think. So in on business, like if you fail with the business, it's, uh, it's clear and it, it's always much more instructional to me. Whereas when it, when we succeeded with something, I can't tell you what it was. Right. When we, when we fail, I can tell you what it was. Is that the same as you have an experience? It's, it's totally, there's a saying in football that winning is a great deodorant because it covers up all the stink. And so you, <laughs> sometimes you don't know what's wrong until you, you, you know, you'll be going, totally. oh, great, you win three games, then you lose one. And you were still, what made you lose the game you'd been doing in the other three, but you never recognized it because you were too happy with the wins and you didn't look deep enough. Yeah. All my, uh, all the greatest learnings that I did is, were through failure. And so maybe that's sometimes not so good because then I, uh, I mostly lecture on my failures rather than <laughs> yes. successes because, of course, that, that's what I'm, I'm saying. Look, here's the mistake. Here's what happened. Um, and, of course, the, 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 the successes make it all worthwhile. They're like the cherries yes. in, in yeah. between. And yeah. maybe I should... Focus a little more on that in my lecture. In my lecture, it's probably you. I mean, you you also get this attitude as a coach, like you focus on what didn't work, right? And because I'm trying to improve and and, and show the students how to do this, but of course, if they they weren't in the game with me, so maybe it's you got a bit. Yeah, a bit it's and I the, you know now that I've been coaching for a few years and, and doing it longer, um, you get to a point where when you win, you're like, okay, I, that was supposed to happen, you know, and then the loss is like, it's just devastating because something didn't go right and knew all that. But you really, the, uh, the way I find myself getting through is saying, okay, well, let's go back to work and let's go figuring it out. And if you, as long as you look at it that way, instead of assigning your value to the wins or the losses, yeah. you know, and, assign, and we, in coaching, we talk a lot about trust the process, trust the process. And if, as long as you have a process in place, you can tweak it or improve it or find out where it's working. But if it's always about the win or the loss, you know, that's going to be a really heck of a, a lot of process. Yeah. You know, that that's, um, I, I lament that so many uh, business leaders take the military as a analogy to business, which I totally disagree with. And I, and we started off there. I, I am a military yeah, right, man. I've, right. also, I've had my career in the military. It's an absolutely wrong analogy. I'd much rather have the sports or the football analogy and with the difference that Winning in military is the annihilation of your enemy, right. and that the other the other person, the other team, the other company is your enemy. That that is not conducive, and that is not what business is about. It's much more like if you're if you're a coach and I'm a coach and we have our teams, 
that's not my enemy. You, the other, the other team is not my enemy. They're my opponent, mm-hmm. and they're my opponent, and, and in a way, they're my partner in excellence. Like the better they play, the better I have to play. Right. And in a sense, and then you, you know, when we when we win today, then tomorrow we can play again, and we can start from scratch. And this is a constant uh, movement towards excellence. That is what business is about. That winning in business, and and this is sort of why sometimes you see very negative things happen in competition and in business when people misunderstand this see this goes again back to what john paul said what is this game here all about right this game of business is about human excellence how can we get better if if your sport if football is about human excellence how do we get better and not the trophy right then you get the game right yes and, and the paradox of that is that, that the trophies go to the people who understand that. That's yeah. how you become a champion. Is not, not that all, all of a sudden you did the right thing and you win it. It's that that whole process was one of aimed at who you are, you know? Um, yeah, it's, yeah, and it's, it's not just football and not just business. It's, it's in, you know, raising kids, I found if, if I, what am, like, what am I doing here, you know? <laughs> you look, I think of the times I'd come home tired from practice or this and that. And when my kids were younger, now they're, you know, in, in college and in, in high school, but they, they'd want to play. And the last thing I wanted to do was play with my kids. But I would sit there and think is, is my, what do I really want? Like, I have to look bigger picture. Do I want them to just be quiet, which is what I wanted that second, or <laughs> do I want them to become a, you know, a, a good person and human and interact well and what did they need right then they needed me to not be the tired coach they need to be a willing dad and I didn't have to be the best I just kind of had to be available yeah. <laughs> yeah, and that's again the will uh, that your will mm-hmm. it's not about the it's not about how good you are it's how good you want of what you want I actually believe that a lot of the, the you know I have never been the best at anything the only thing I can promise you is that I won't stop. Right. So, and if ever I want anything, it's because I don't stop. I'm not, I'm, I, I don't have an out, I don't have one outstanding talent or something where I could say, you know, play chess with me and I'll, I'll beat you down, you know, I'll beat you anytime or, or I, I'm, I'm some marketing genius. So, so nothing, I'm, I'm not an engineer and nothing like that. I only have one thing speaking for me and that is, you have to kill me to stop me. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, yeah. that goes a long way. I'm telling you. No, it it does. In the and um, it's the same thing in sports. You know, you know that. I mean, the just, the guy that just okay, it didn't go my way. I'm okay. How do I get better? I have to work a little harder because I'm not this way or that way. You know, I'm not I'm not six seven. I'm not this. And um, and it is that persistence. I think it's the greatest indicator of future success is persistence. Yeah. And you know, and that's. Um, the, the will is, is what I want our guys to think about. Cause if the only time they're working out is when they feel like working out, they're not going to be working out a lot, you know, and, and you have to have the will to say, I want this enough to push through what's not fun. The biggest challenge for us as educators is to, or, and as parents is to say, how do you build the will? And so what John Paul did in helping me build my will is, is that at first he lived in front of me a life. So I came there, I'm totally secular. Like I'm, I, I didn't join, I joined there because it was the military, not because of the Pope. 
and and I just thought being a bodyguard was cool, right? So so I go in there totally with that mindset, and then I meet this guy, and he just blew me away, like such the most human person I've ever met. And I'm saying, you know, he went swimming, hiking, skiing. He had beer with us. He loved to eat and and he loved to laugh and but then at the same time it could be very serious he would uh, he would you know have poetry read uh, he would have musicians come in and play and just like he was so present and then whenever i talked with him i felt like i was the person he got up for in the morning like he was so there mm. you know um and i just and in my insecurity, which I sort of covered up with toughness, you know, I'm like, whatever this guy has, that's what I want. Right. Yeah. So he became my role model. He appealed to my, he appealed to my better senses and to my deepest desires. And, and him becoming my role model, I wanted to be like him. And that's when he turns and he says, look, and, and, and this is sort of the critical point in my life. Look, what you want here is not me. You want what I or who I have. And what you want is you want Jesus. And to me, this was such a, a, a switch, like such a turn. I was saying, like, no, right. what are you talking about? And, and then I was ready to actually start to understand what religion is and what Christianity in particular is. That, that's when this started to change. Because, and, and what he did is he built up my love, my, my wanting to a point that when it was ripe and strong enough, he turned it and, and, and turned it towards what really matters. That's education, right? It's, it, this is what I'm saying, like with this experience, what I'm trying to do with teaching and why I'm, I think I'm, I'm so glad there's people like you in the, in the sports team or so on, that where, where, where our students can see a person say, that's, I want to be a dad like that, you know, see you with your kids or see you how, how you teach or, or you're with them in, in these tough situations where you ha might have a losing streak or, or injuries and things like that. We need a, a role model like that. You know, do you know that John Paul has never told me what to do? He never told me anything to do. The Pope, the Pope never, never told you what to do. <laughs> never told me what wow. to do. It, that's teaching. Mm -hmm. That you, you live your life in front of somebody to the level of witness that they want what you have. So, all that, you know, they, they say, St. Francis said, you know, preach the gospel and when necessary, use words. Right. We, we need to, that is one of the secret ingredients that CUA has. That we have folks here, like if I think of a guy like Garvey, and, mm -hmm. and when, you know, he spoke. There you see somebody. I look at that and say, well, that's, you know, that's what I want. Right. right? Yeah, absolutely. That kind right. of wisdom. Or so, um, but, but then also you see, you know, a hundred other people um, right, right next to me and, and in our services. You know what? You know, the, um, do you know what is her, her name? Miss Willie? The, oh, yes. Uh, Miss Willie was here when I was a student back in the early 90s. Yeah. I want what she has. Yes. She right. never has a bad day. No. No. Now that's a role model that will have. So, so there you're seeing sort of the, 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 the range within CUA. That is a role model that will have effects for decades. 
Yeah. Yeah. The, the, uh, my son, who's a student here now, you know, he knows who Miss Willie is and the kids love her. And you think about that, that like, here they are. She was the same person in 1987, helping students, you know, find what they wanted to eat and, be, and have a great experience as, as she is in 2021. You know how she, how she treats you as if she knew you forever? Yes. That's JP too. Oh, really? That's the, I got up to say hello to you this morning. That's what you feel like when you talk with her. Yeah. Like, yep. she, you know, she's this, I'm six foot nine and she, she <laughs> and she comes over and she embraces me. Right? Yes. And, and she, and then I'm like, well, she must really, uh, you know, like me or I'm special. And then I see that actually she has that love for everybody. She loves humanity. Yep. She's got the secret and, uh, and it's not a secret, which is the best part, you know, and it's, it's when you're not the biggest thing in your life, you're going to have a joyful life. But if you're the biggest thing in your life, you're not going to have a joyful life. You're going to be constantly let down because you shouldn't be the biggest thing in your life. See, that's got, that goes back to say she got she understands the game, the rule of the yes, game. Yes, exactly. Yeah, she's playing it, and I think that the uh, so the, the another aspect that we do in our class, there's not a class I teach without asking students to choose a role model or to practice a virtue. And, and I make it, you know, tie it into the grade because that's the currency. And people, you know, sometimes students say, why do we, I already took one of your classes. I'm saying, well, as long as you know me, any class, you're going to be taught how to choose role models and you're going to be taught to practice virtue and then tell me how it went. <laughs> because those are the two things that if I, it's not about just that virtue. If, you had, if I can teach you the mechanic, the muscle memory of those two things, and to be reflective about it, I, my job's done. Yes, that, yep, and that's that. You can have experience, but experience without reflection is just mileage on the tires, you know? You don't learn how to drive from it. You need to have that reflection, and, and you're right. Like, then if you know the game, if you know what game you're playing, now you can reflect on the right things and not get sidetracked on the things that don't matter. Exactly. And that's, that's always a huge danger in all of these universities that basically just teach skills and knowledge in that sense. And they never teach you the big picture. Because when you have a lot of skill and a very badly formed conscience, meaning you don't understand what the game is about, you can do a lot of damage. Mm -hmm. and, and this happens all the time in our society. Yeah, yeah. it's, uh, it, it, it's depressing. To, to look at um, the intelligent people who, it, you know, in my opinion, are they, they don't know what the truth is, so they're missing what the game is. And instead of playing, you know, they're on a football field trying to play baseball, or they're on a baseball field trying to play football. It's like, no, you're in the wrong game. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, uh, but I, I, I can positively say that teaching here has been the best job in my life. Oh. I love these two students. I love being a professor. And to me, this is the, the fountain of youth. And you know, we, we all just went through graduation and everything. I could have cried with some of the students walking and then saying, yeah, they're leaving now. Yeah. It's just CUA has a very special environment where you really get to know these students. And yeah, they become family. We, we, we're a little family here.
it's so true. You when you pour yourself into them, and and they and you know they appreciate it because you see them grow. Yeah. That it's so hard to go. The guys that graduated this spring were my first recruiting class since I've been back since I came back to coach here, yeah. and uh, it you know, I, I'm still processing it. I don't even want to like, some of them, I don't even want to go see them or shake their hand because, you know, I'm yeah. supposed to be the coach and, and uh, you know, if I'm bubbling like, you know, bu you know, crying my eyes out like a baby because they're leaving me. Uh, it's not just because my quarterback was a tremendous football player. It's because he's going to go on and conquer the world, you know, yeah. in the right way. And uh, I'm going to miss him. And I see the, I'm impressed. Um, I, I can honestly say the students, I wish I was like them when I was there, uh, when I was their age. Yeah, yeah. The, I, this is why I'm saying the world is in pretty good hands. I know there's issues and everything, but the world is actually in pretty good hands because I see these young people and they, they have a lot of things much more together than I did. Now, I'm, I'm working on the things we take more risks and this and that. They're much more responsible than I was at that age, right. I'll tell you that. And, and in that sense, more mature. Um, and so I think I, I actually, I'm, I'm very optimistic about the future. You know, I am too, even, even though you want, uh, you just have to turn the TV off sometimes and not watch the news and, and go back to, you know what it goes back to in this- the People who say this stuff. Yeah. It's like, I, I look at this whole herd of people coming through CUA and that's where I take my pulse. Well, and you go back to, uh, what did what did what did Christ ask us to do? You know, to 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 love our neighbor, not humanity. He didn't ask us to love humanity. He didn't ask us to love like the, you know everyone in the United States. Love your neighbor. And if you go and to me, these kids are my neighbors. And exactly. Uh, and and th that's that's my job. So not to put myself on any kind of pedestal. I'm Lord knows I'm a work in progress. But I as long as I can, uh, I think I'm learning the rules of the game. So that's that's what I'm here for too. Yeah. Very good. Well, thank you so much. This was fantastic. I uh, I really enjoyed it. Coach, I'm, I, I want to come and see that hopefully you promised me everything is going to be in person. So the games are on and I can. Absolutely. Yep. Yep. So I, I want to come in for a lesson. In, of, uh, I would love to have you come, come to practice or, or be on the sidelines during a game. I think that'd be fantastic. Of course, you'd be the tallest one there. There's no doubt. I'll sit. <laughs> promise this this fall we'll do it huh? yeah yes sir yep thank you so much thank you man that was that was fun to talk to him um when you spend some time talking to a guy that I think really like he's figured it out. Like he knows who he is, what he's supposed to be doing, and he's just doing a great job at it. I mean, it's fun to have those conversations. Um, I especially liked the point about that, know what game you're playing, like know the rules, know what you're trying to do. And um, that I think is a part of the big battle is you just figure out what game you're in. And uh, if you know what game you're in, you're going to know, how you can get better at it and, and what the uh, rules are. So um, thanks again for listening. I'm excited to keep going here. I know I keep saying that word excited. You're like, yeah, he's excited all the time. But this is so much fun for me. I hope you're enjoying them. I'm having a great time talking to these folks and I'm learning a lot on my end. Um, if you'd like to connect, you can find me on Twitter 
at Coach Mike Gutt, or you can shoot me an email, and that is trustyourcoachgut at gmail.com. So thanks again, and remember, trust your coach gut.